Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 109, Downtown Report. Thank you for listening. Happy spring, everybody. I think I've probably said that the last couple of episodes, but uh, here we are in mid-April, April 17th, a Monday morning, a beautiful Monday morning, and the weather has finally turned here. We've had an unseasonably cool spring thus far here in central Washington, maybe the whole Pacific Northwest, but forecast looks good. Days are getting longer. Flowers are starting to come out. Everything is rosy here. And today I'm reporting on the four downtown geology lectures that I gave a few weeks ago. And the timing here with the podcast, with the radio episode, is to say that all four of those lectures are now posted on my YouTube channel and are waiting for you to view if you have the interest. If you don't have the interest, maybe you'd still want to stick around and hear about uh, what happened a few weeks ago in late March when I gave those four new lectures on four consecutive nights, and then we move on. One preamble before we get into it. Uh, the spring term is happening at Central. We're in the third week, maybe even more. I, I've lose track of the weeks. Uh, but I've been working um, very closely with the Geology 351. Whoa, that's weird. Geology 351 this spring is Pacific Northwest Geology. It's a course that I teach every other spring. <coughs> Excuse me. And the, uh, the theme this spring is Ice Age Floods and Ice Age Floods Research. And I have been uh, getting the group broken in, more or less. I know most of those kids, most of them are juniors and seniors, uh, but many of them have not had me before. And even if they have had me in Geology 101, uh, I've been mm, trying to set a certain level of expectation, both in the classroom and in the field. And that was, I haven't really said it out loud with them, but that's been in preparation for a very special guest who's arriving today here in Ellensburg from Nanaimo, British Columbia, a guy named Jerome Lessman. So if you've been listening to these episodes here uh, for the last few years, you remember me talking about Jerome, and he's on sabbatical this spring. And so after a little bit of organization and arrangement between Jerome and myself, uh, Jerome's going to be here in central Washington for the next two weeks. And in case you catch this, and in case you are in the Pacific Northwest, uh, and in case you have not seen uh, a Spring Announcements YouTube video that I made about a week ago, uh, I'm inviting the public to sit in uh, two consecutive Tuesdays, and that's Tuesday, April 18th, and the following Tuesday, whatever that is, 25th maybe, uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific time, Jerome is going to be teaching my class with my 20 students in Geology 351. Uh, but there's plenty, 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 no shortage of seats in that auditorium. And so you are welcome just to show up and be a fly on the wall in the classroom. I will not be live streaming, at least the first one, at least tomorrow. And um, I will be recording it, though, I think, and getting it on YouTube somehow because it is a... Um, a concerted effort 
I don't know. I'll save that for another radio episode. But anyway, Jerome's going to be in town. He's got some really interesting work involving the ice sheet and a lot of water coming down the Okanagan. And again, you've heard that from me before here uh, a year ago. But I'm, I'm back to thinking 100% about the Ice Age floods for the next few months. But that's not the topic today. The topic today is kind of putting a, a bow on the downtown geology lectures. And what did I do? Four? I think I did four radio episodes last month uh, ramping up for that. And before I forget, can I thank you? Can I thank many of you for emailing me specific ideas about how to boil down a lot of detailed sessions involving exotic terrains? And many of your emails were very helpful. If you're not sure what I was talking about just now, uh, I went directly to you guys and asked for specific ideas about how I might be able to structure those lectures. And I won't do that all again right here, but I want to thank you. I think there were more than 300 emails that rolled in. Some of them were saying similar things, and, um, and, and so it was a big help. So thanks. Uh, so today's episode at the five-minute mark, I'm starting now, uh, talking about what I I was going to say what I plan to talk about, but there is no plan. You know, I just, I catch a morning where uh, everything's quiet around here. We're in the water. All right, that was a little hiccup. Garage band keeps uh, crashing on me. At some point, I'll figure out what's going on, but let's just keep rolling. Keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, so the washing machine isn't going. Liz is at school. Bijou's sleeping upstairs. So, and I'm fresh on a Monday morning before I have to go to school, so let's go for it. So, what happened? What happened? Can I give you a sense? Well, first of all, what were the four lecture titles that I decided upon after all that rich uh, email food for thought that many of you sent? Okay, Wednesday night was Geologic Immigrants in the Pacific Northwest. The next night, Thursday night, March 30th, 2023, was How Did the Rocky Mountains Form? The next night, Friday night, was Paleomagnetism in the Pacific Northwest. And the final night, the thrilling conclusion, although the lectures were not connected to each other, the final night was April 1st, 2023, Saturday night, Celestia Fireworks in the Pacific Northwest. So those were the titles that I came up with um, based on my own thoughts and a few of your thoughts. And then the challenge was to write those lectures and to get them ready and to be able to deliver what I wanted to deliver in front of the cameras and everything. So again, those lectures exist. Uh, I've posted them in the last few days. In fact, I posted two of them on the same day yesterday, the last two, uh, as kind of an experiment to see if that would created problems or whatever. But I just view those lectures as existing, hanging out, popping up in people's YouTube, uh, what do they call it? Uh, I can't think of the word. Algorithm? I guess that's what it is. You know how that, I was going to say, you know how that works, but I have no idea how that works. But anyway, it, if it's, a, if it's a lecture that is unique and has some detail in it and is delivered with a certain tone, then 
it kind of has a life of its own and it gets shared or whatever. I, I really don't know. But uh, some of those downtown lectures, as I think I've mentioned before, have been extremely popular, more popular than anything else I've done. And uh, some of them have been watched more than a million times, which is crazy to think about. And I think perhaps a couple of these new ones will have the same kind of legs or juice or whatever. And, um, you know, occasionally it does occur to me, like, why don't I just hit monetization on this thing? If, if there's a million views and I, and I hit monetization on one of these, uh, that's probably a bunch of money. I don't know. But nope, nope, nope. I, I continue to just be conservative with that. And uh, there's when I think about it carefully, there's reasons I don't do that. Okay, well, can I report on the details of the lectures? I don't know. I, I think I'll let the lectures speak for themselves. If you're wanting to learn a bunch of new geology and wanting me to synthesize each lecture... Oh, I don't know. Should I do it? Okay, well, that's what I'll do. Let me give you a little bit of geology for a change. <laughs> and then I'll comment on what it was like to be in the room and things that I liked and maybe a couple things I was uh, confused by. Okay, the geology content itself. So the first one, Pacific Northwest, what? Geologic immigrants in the Pacific Northwest. I came up with this hook that I think I liked, uh, saying that just like immigrants in our family history, there are exotic terrains like the Cache Creek terrain that crossed the Pacific Ocean, or the Alexander terrain that crossed the Atlantic Ocean or the Arctic Ocean, or Mount Stewart Batholith which crossed the border from Mexico and got to Washington State. So that was the hook. And I did use a bunch of Gary Paul photographs, which I think were effective. I had some of the detail involving Tethian fossils and Yabina. I think I'm mispronouncing Yabina, but whatever. The, the, the microfossils that emphasize the uh, Southwest Pacific origin for the Cache Creek, which have been correlated with certain terrains here in Washington and down into the Klamaths of Oregon, and even the foothills of the Sierra. And um, and that was the first lecture. Okay, I, I okay, changed my mind. I'm going to not only give you a thumbnail about the content in each of these four lectures, but I'll just go ahead and, and comment on what my memories are of those four nights. Okay, so that first night was a Wednesday night. Uh, if you recall, I was worried about having too many people, even though there were 720 seats in the auditorium. Boy, somebody's feeling himself, apparently. And I knew that people were going to be coming in from long distances to visit Ellensburg, and that's why I set up the, the lectures four nights in a row. Okay, well, there were people that came from a long way away. Uh, guy drove down from Calgary, Alberta, 10-hour drive. Uh, father flew in from Florida and his daughter and grandson in Chicago made the trip happen. They all flew in together. Family came, flew up from uh, San Jose, California. Uh, firefighter drove up from Los Angeles, California. Uh, and so on and so on and so on. So uh, it was a big trip for 
a few dozen people in the room. And because it was a big trip, they stayed for all four nights. And that's what I was expecting. Um, probably the most positive and memorable thing about those folks who came from so far away is that they knew each other's names. So in other words, they were, they were loyal people watching much of the stuff that's been going on on the YouTube channel for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic. And they knew of each other uh, by being in the live chat uh, with each other, uh, chit-chatting in the live chat during many of those live streams. Uh, some had been corresponding at least through a Facebook page. There's a Facebook page called something like Fans of Nick Zentner or something like that. So there's been regular postings about geology, uh, but there's quite often... Um, people posting photos of outings that they do related to geology, and then they kind of comment on each other's photos and everything else. It's, it's all very positive. So I think my biggest positive memory of this downtown four nights in a row is that those folks met each other for the first time, I think out in front of the auditorium on that Wednesday night, took photos of each other, uh, and hatched a plan possibly on the spot, or I don't know how much was premeditated, but they were going, Backcountry Gary was there for a few nights. They were going out to many of these geologic spots in Washington during the days, then getting back to their hotel or their RV or wherever they were staying in Ellensburg, maybe took a little nap or something, I don't know, and then went to the auditorium that night. And so, you know, I was not part of that. I made it as clear as possible that I was going to be really concentrating on these lectures. And that's part of the story as well. I was behind. I was writing some of those lectures the morning of. And so I was just hiding out at home with Bijou the cat and just trying to put get these things together for that evening. And so I was just thrilled that they were hooking up and doing things and celebrating the geology during the days and then coming in and, and enjoying the things at night, the, the, the talks at night. Uh, the, the most uh, far-traveled person is Garrett, the Dutch night owl from the Netherlands. And he flew in from the Netherlands. And he's pretty uh, good with posting with his camera and on Facebook and other things. And uh, so... He's still here, <laughs> I think three weeks later or whatever. A month later, he's still here. And he's just recently visited Jerome Lessman up in Vancouver uh, on Vancouver Island. And he's visiting folks in uh, uh, the Panhandle of Idaho and Glacial Lake Missoula and Western Washington. So it's just a wonderful thing to see. And um, I hope that you feel that way, too. All right. The first night, the energy was weird in the auditorium. That's the best way I can describe it. I mean, I was visiting with folks before the, the talk began, uh, met many of these folks I just mentioned for the first time in the flesh. And, uh, you know, I hadn't given a talk in a big auditorium for three years because of everything that's gone on the last three years. And 
my first thing to say about that first lecture, Geologic Immigrants in the Pacific Northwest, for the first 10 minutes, I was just standing there with the hands, my hands behind my back, like I was talking into a camera. I mean, I was talking into a camera, but it wasn't the, the live stream camera that's usually, you know, three feet in front of my face. And I, I, I literally caught myself 10 minutes into that first lecture, like, what are you doing? You can't just stand here. You, you got you to gotta roam around. You're, you're dealing with a live audience for the first time, buddy. That's me talking to myself. So if you see that first geologic immigrants lecture, you might notice that, that I was, it was a longer intro that I wanted and I was just standing there. And then I kind of woke up and like, okay, I got to, I got to do something. I got to start moving. So I was rusty, I think is my point. The other thing is that I, in those first 10, 15 minutes of that immigrants lecture, I was confused by the, the uh, energy in the room. First of all, because I didn't publicize anything, uh, there were probably, I don't know, 200 people there. I mean, there were a lot of empty seats. Almost to the point where I was like, God, why didn't I publicize this more? Because I had, you know, before the pandemic, I had that auditorium filled every night. And there's a certain energy that just comes from a space that's totally filled, like there aren't empty seats. And so I, was, I wasn't feeling the energy that I normally feel with a full room. And I was trying to make sense of it. Um, still very positive, still a celebration. But um, you know, I was like, wow, I, was, I wasn't bummed, but I was like surprised that there wasn't a bigger audience. And then yet, I, that, later that night, I was telling Liz about it. She stayed home that first night. You know, it's the middle of the teaching week. And I said, well, I don't know. Why didn't it fill? She's like, well, you didn't advertise it, right? I'm like, yeah, I just figured, I don't know. <laughs> so I miscalculated a little bit, and I told the audience that first night, well, I'm relieved that everybody got in, and now I think I will uh, publicize this thing on social media. But Liz reminded me that we don't really have a local newspaper anymore, and for years I would I would put a big blurb in the local paper about coming to the auditorium. And technically, we still have a local newspaper, but all my friends are gone. Uh, it, it's like every small newspaper has been farmed out to some corporation and nobody is living in town that, that knows anything anymore. So we stopped subscribing to the paper called The Daily Record. So sad. And and my email address list, which I had not done, I had not advertised the, the trip. I, email screwed up now where people use Gmail and they're not getting my emails on this outreach list that I used to have. So I don't need to go through it. But there's, there's a lot of reasons that it was kind of a secret, I guess, that I was doing these things, even though it wasn't technically a secret. So anyway... The, the, the audiences got bigger each night, but it still was not a, a full auditorium, which is fine. But I guess if I do this again, I'll, I'll advertise a little bit more and feeling like I can be a little bit more bold about letting everybody know what's going on if they want to come and, and listen. Okay, it sounds negative. I don't mean it to be negative, but that first one I thought was okay. But the another crash. Thanks for putting up with this. Let's continue.
The next night, which was Thursday night, how did the Rocky Mountains form? That was totally different from my point of view. Now, if you went to all four of these, I guess I'd be curious what you what you thought. But for me, standing up there, the energy was totally different. Felt great. The, the lecture went well. And as I was wrapping that one up, as I was wrapping that Rocky Mountains lecture up, I'm like immediately thinking, well, that's about as good as I can do. I was extremely happy with that one. And so I've already seen that that one is outperforming or out being watched more and probably shared more than the previous one, Geologic Immigrants in the Pacific Northwest. So um, that one may very well be a very popular video online, and I'm very, very happy with it. Uh, I was including in that Rocky Mountain lecture, um, <laughs> I mean, if you've kept up with what's going on the last few winters, it, it's all familiar to you. I was taking the old Farallon plate model where you do a, a shallow shallowing of the slab of the Farallon plate subducting beneath California to initiate the Rocky Mountain uplift, both the severe style and the laramide style, and then got into Carr and Siglock's tomography in the lower mantle saying, we don't see evidence for that old model, and instead we need to think about a new model where we have some sort of collider, some sort of uh, a fixed oceanic uh, island arc, or even bigger, a microcontinent, and have North America slab in, uh, slam into it with a westward subducting Mescalera ocean floor. So uh, that's complicated, but I was very pleased with how I was able to distill that down into an hour. And each of, each of these four lectures uh, continues with that format of 30 minutes of chalkboard and 30 minutes of, of visuals. So I was super high after that one. Couldn't even get to sleep. I just like that one worked. Very happy with it. The next night, uh, paleomagnetism in the Pacific Northwest, I did decide to use geologists' names and even faces when we got to the visuals because the whole idea is that the paleomag data has been ignored for 50 years and it's time to give these folks credit and to bring in a little bit of human element into this. And yes, I mentioned Merle Beck and the audience broke into a little applause, polite applause, knowing that Merle had passed away a couple months ago. So that was touching and I almost lost it there for a second, but just kept going. And, um, in, at the moment, or uh, in real time, up there on the stage, that one felt weird again. Uh, the energy was different. And before I forget, uh, if you do take the time to watch one or more of these new downtown lectures, uh, I think the camera work is very good. That's Keith from Yakima. That was another new thing. I hadn't worked with him before. But he was, he was a pro. He was easy to work with, as well as Mike, who runs the auditorium. Both of those guys were super positive. We'd get there early, set up, talk about X, Y, and Z, and microphones and lights and spotlights and everything else. It all, it all, that all is very good. I forgot to mention to Keith, and it never even occurred to me until I watched those finished products. Uh, in 2019, I remember that I asked Julian, the guy who recorded, can you somehow catch with some, one of your microphones, the audience, to get a sense that there's people in the room. And I forgot to mention that to Keith. 
And maybe he would have said it was impossible anyway. But when I, if you do watch these lectures, you can't hear the audience. You can't hear any very little of the reaction. So it's kind of like audio-wise, the, 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 my microphone is, is good. It's capturing my voice really well. But it's like I'm doing it in a closet. Like you can't hear any any kind of reaction is is very muted or or maybe not 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 there at all. So I've seen a few comments, not many, but a few comments that have said something like, "Wow, tough room," or like there wasn't reaction to that line or something. Like I'm some sort of entertainer, in a way, I guess I am. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. But I do feed off of the energy. And if you if you watch all four of those, and I'm giving you a little backstory here. Um, that Rocky Mountain one, and then the last one, which is Celestia Fireworks, I might as well get to that, where I was talking about, you know, that entire Eocene Alphabet series got it down into one lecture on the Saturday night. So so the first and third nights, the energy was kind of muted, and you can definitely not hear the audience in the record in the in the recording. But I guess what I'm saying is even on the the Thursday and Saturday nights, the Rocky Mountain lecture and the Celestia fireworks lecture, the energy was really strong, and I was feeding off of it, and I was more animated on stage just because I'm I'm reacting to what's in the room. But you you can't hear it. You can't hear it in the recording, and, and it's not a huge deal. Probably not noticeable the most, but to me, um, I guess that's one thing I'll remember that that depending on the people in the room and what I had for supper or God knows what, uh, you know, every night's different. And I was just kind of vibing off of, of what was happening in the room. There were, <laughs> especially that first night, listen, I, I really enjoyed it and I'm very pleased with the recorded lectures. So don't get me wrong, but I, you know, you're getting a little bit extra here with me. Um, that first night, especially not only was I standing with my hands behind my back, talking into the room, like I was talking uh, with a live stream, which is, I guess my default there, I, there were people in the audience, especially that first night who were talking back. Like they were, like they were watching me on their computer screen or their TV or whatever, and I think their habit was just to talk back to me uh, as they were watching something when they were locked down. So it's kind of this weird kind of carryover from what we've all gone through the last few years, and I didn't react to it at all. But you can hear it on a few in a few instances in that first night, people talking back to to me like. And, you know, it surprised me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that it was a culmination. I actually said that in the last night before we started filming. And I, I got a little emotional, actually. I said, hey, thanks for being here. This is the last night. And, and all of these this spring here, this, this these last four nights, is kind of a culmination of, of what we've all kind of been through the last three years. And there were a bunch of head nods and everything else. And I guess that's what got me feeling it a little bit. But here we are in, in 
mid 2023 or, or mid spring 2023 and we're still kind of coming out of what we dealt with and some of the folks in that room were maybe for the first time emerging from their isolation i mean some of us have been out doing normal stuff for a year but i think some you know there were some masks you know and and uh some folks that just didn't look particularly like they've been back in the flow. So that's the whole point, that this was kind of another step to get us back to, to where we all were. And for many people in that room, the only reason they knew about geology through my efforts is because of being forced to be home. And, and uh, yeah, when you visit with certain people, there's a real intensity, uh, sometimes tears, um, saying things like, you know, you your programs you know got me through a very difficult time and uh, I can feel what they're saying and we'll leave that there uh, so I think I'm going to say one more thing which is just general about these radio episodes I you might be maybe it's a majority of you you might be saying to yourself boy, this, this podcast, this radio series has really gone off the rails. This is maybe you talking. Like the first 35 or 40 of the episodes that I did in this series was nothing but geology. And if you remember, those were geology 101 lessons that I've, been, I've done a million times. It was just easy to close my eyes and talk about the geology. And maybe you're saying, ever since then, but especially in the last 20 episodes or something, you're just talking about filming and video and talking in front of a group and everything else and technology and you're reporting on this and reporting on that, but it's got very little geology. I guess I, guess I need to redefine what I think this podcast is and why I continue to do them. There's no money. There's 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 no profits for me. I I just I do enjoy doing these, but can I define please what I think this is becoming? These radio episodes are as much about communicating science as they are about the geology itself. If it hasn't dawned on you, I I feel a license to, or I feel at liberty to talk about how I'm communicating things as much as the detailed geology. And if I can say that out loud and you're willing to accept that, then maybe you won't. Have, I'm not saying that I'm getting a ton of angry emails, but I, occasionally I get some comments like, boy, you know, just stick to the geology. Just I want to learn some new geology. I don't want to learn about this other stuff. And yes, with many of these, we are always bordering on narcissism, for sure. I, I'm happy to admit that. And uh, I don't do this kind of talk, you know, the other form of my life, including at home with Liz. I mean, she doesn't want to hear about all this stuff. I, I mostly listen to what's going on in her life with her teaching and everything because she has no outlet, basically, like I do. So it's I don't go around talking like this to really anybody except you here. But I do think, I hope that this is somewhat interesting to you, especially if you've been heavily invested and interested in what's going on with these programs. Uh, 
And also, I guess, if somebody is listening to these and thinking about teaching, or you are a scientist and you're like pretty interested in how to communicate it, I guess I do have some experience. Well, I have some experience with that. And depending on your measure of success, uh, people seem to like what's going on. So, you know, depend. I'm not saying every episode from this point forward is going to be me talking about my Starlink dish and then my garage band crashing and everything else. But it will be it will be on the menu on occasion. Now that said, I'm doing a deep dive into Ice Age floods research and. I can't promise, but I'm I'm guessing that I'll be back here pretty regularly this spring talking about interesting things that I've been learning. Geology, not anything else, just geology. Like I could do a, I've just been reading with my students, J. Harlan Brett's paper from 1928 and John Shaw paper from 1999. And there's a lot of good detail there. So it's not like I've stopped learning, but I have stopped for now thinking and talking about exotic terrains, maybe for a while. And now that I say that, it's going to be Ice Age floods for pretty much all April and May. Look for videos and perhaps a few radio episodes talking about that. I am going down to Reno, Nevada to a Geological Society of America Cordillard meeting. And that will be back to exotic terrains for a few days. And there will be a Penrose conference in August. That's also announced on my spring announcements video where there'll be a bunch of exotic terrain stuff there for like a week and a half in McCall, Idaho. Uh, all in person, by the way. But besides Reno and McCall, Idaho, I think I'm, I think I'm done with the exotic terrain stuff for a while. Maybe a year, maybe more. I don't know. But this intense devotion to the Cretaceous and the Eocene and all of these major tectonic stories, I'm viewing these downtown lectures as kind of a nice little culmination of all of that learning from the last three years. And that was the attempt. Last thing I'll say, the downtown lectures that I'm reporting on today, and if you get a chance to watch them, thank you for watching. I hope you enjoy them. It realized, I realized as I was wrapping those up that it was a totally different process. Those first 25 or whatever downtown episodes over the years, those downtown lectures, were written specifically for the downtown series. In other words, I would pick a topic, do a ton of reading, and build the lecture, give it, and then I'd be done. And it would remain on YouTube. I realized that these four downtown lectures uh, a couple weeks ago were the opposite. Like a bunch of people in the room had already heard all this stuff. And part of me, especially that first night, was like, why am I even doing this? Everybody in the room already knows all this stuff about Cache Creek and, and Mount Stewart and everything else. And so that was also kind of a strange feeling, like I'm not breaking new ground with anybody. Everybody in the room already knows this stuff, but I have learned from people in the flesh, but also these comments on the YouTube lectures that people are liking to see it pulled back and 
a surprise to me, but some are viewing the downtown series as a lower level or, or a more accessible version for everyone to enjoy as opposed to the pinheads who are deep into it with me. I'm not sure I viewed it that way, but it's interesting that's been the reaction. So, at the 36-minute mark, after two crashes of GarageBand, I say thank you, dear listener. Hope you enjoyed this one. Please uh, look at your calendars. See if you want to come to Ellensburg anytime soon. Everything's green. The flowers are starting to pop. And the Ice Age floods are on the brain. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. <laughs>